0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and uh, after a one-week absence, uh, or I guess three-week absence, but it's a bi-weekly podcast, so one week late, I am, uh, I'm bringing you guys a very special episode of the podcast. Um, so the reason that I didn't put out an episode last week and that I'm a week late uh, is that I was very busy. I was busy. Uh, pacing for pretty much five days straight, um, two large efforts. Uh, Starting on Monday, I was pacing uh, my buddy Xander Keiter, uh, who is the subject of this episode, uh, on his 100-mile wilderness FKT. Uh, And then uh, Wednesday through Friday, I was pacing my other friend, Bill Tidd, uh, on his New Hampshire 48 FKT. And both Xander and Bill absolutely crushed it. But more on bill later right now we're talking about xander um xander he's the subject of this of this week's episode if you listen to the podcast at all you probably know xander he's the person who has been on the podcast the most he's uh my best friend from childhood and uh and this stud just destroyed the hundred mile wilderness record the you know the time the record before him was 29 hours and six minutes i believe and he ran it in 24 hours, 35 minutes and six seconds. Uh, so we shaved like four and a half hours off of the record. Uh, it was an incredible record to be a part of. It it was so much, so much fun. Uh, I ended up pacing Xander for like 40 miles, which was sick. Uh, I'll let the episode speak for itself. We talk all about it. Um, but, um, yeah, before we get to the episode, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my plan for the next three episodes. Uh, so, obviously, putting out this episode right now um, with Xander talking all about his his run of the 100-mile wilderness and that new incredible standard that he set for the FKT, um, I'm going to get Bill Tidd on the podcast to talk about his newly minted New Hampshire 48 FKT uh, very soon, but... Uh, I'm recording this on, on Tuesday right now, tomorrow, Wednesday, June 28th, I am headed out for a hike of the Vermont long trail, which I am super excited about. Um, I'm going to take it easy, take it relative, you know, relatively slow. I'm, I'm training, uh, I'm training out there, but I'm probably going to do the long trail in about two weeks. Uh, which means that I may not have time to get Bill on the podcast before the next episode comes out. So my thought is that releasing this episode now, and then I'm going to record, I think, an episode from the trail uh, over the course of when I'm on the long trail. You know, maybe I'll do like, maybe I'll do 10 minutes of recording a day and then paste all of those uh paste all of those 10-minute segments together and make a podcast out of it. Maybe I'll do one long thing. Maybe I'll do a bunch of mini interviews with through hikers that I run into. I don't know. But the next episode after this one will probably be long trail content. And then the next episode after that will be in. Um And I probably, you know, I, I want to get Bill's episode out before like a month from now. Uh, so I may... I may break my biweekly schedule just to get uh get Bill's episode out whenever I record it with him. Um so yeah, that uh keep uh keep posted on the next two episodes. They should be a lot of fun. Uh the next three episodes of or you know, this episode and then the next two episodes are going to be I think pretty awesome uh, podcast episodes if I do say so myself, not that I listen to them, <laughs> but I uh but I do talk through them uh yeah guys it's it's super fun i had an awesome week last week uh you're gonna hear all about what xander did and all about what i did with xander in this episode and then uh, we'll dig into it more in the uh in the episode with bill uh but suffice to say i was i was exhausted after after last week i ended up running between the two of them i did like 102 miles in five days with 30 30 something thousand feet of vertical and i probably slept less than 12 hours so uh (laughs) it was great it was tiring but it was great fun um last thing guys let me tell you about the sponsor for this episode Uh, and the sponsor for this episode is infinite nutrition so listen guys if you've listened to the podcast before you probably know that i use infinite myself uh it is a total nutrition powder that you just mix into your water and then as long as you drink your water you get all the nutrients you need and you don't need to eat anything uh i can attest that infinite really really works it you know for my hundred mile wilderness run in 2021 i used all infinite um for you know 33 hours in a row for my new hampshire 48 fkt last year i used about 97 percent infinite i ate you know i ate a gel once in a while just because i wanted to but i didn't need it um for my diartissima fkt i used about 80 percent infinite and supplemented with some granola bars it makes fueling so simple you know when i'm out there on trail for a long time i find it really difficult to uh count carbs and protein and salt and all of that stuff um especially when you're getting really tired it's hard it's hard to keep track of that stuff but what's really easy to keep track of is i need to drink 600 milliliters per hour and i'm good Uh, and that's what infinite does for you so um i can't recommend infinite highly enough it's a really solid nutrition option if you're looking to simplify your nutrition while on trail i think Xander used pretty much all infinite on his 100 mile wilderness fkt actually so uh, it's great stuff and uh, they're having a special for my podcast listeners right now. Head on over to Infinite Nutrition, their website. Uh, it's spelled like the word infinite, except with no E on the end. Uh, go over to Infinite and use code from the back country for 15% off your entire order. Uh, they also do free customized nutrition consultations. If you give them a call, they'll help figure out the exact right custom formula for you and your nutrition needs while you're on trail. That's all, guys. With that, thank you so much for listening to the pod. As always, um, this was a great one. Xander, congratulations, man. You deserve it. You put in so, so much work to make this effort happen. And I'm um, really happy for you, man. Really happy for you. And for the rest of you, I'll talk to you hooligans in a couple weeks. Bye now. Bye now. Kinderkuyter, there. I feel like there are there are friends of the pod, then there is the friend of the pod. Sure. I feel like you have done enough to achieve the status of the friend of the pod. It's huge. Welcome it's back.
1: It's the highest honor that I've ever received.
0: Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> I know it is. Um, how are you feeling? It's been. We're recording this on on Saturday, June four uh, June twenty fourth and you finished running on tuesday
1: yes yes i did uh i'm still feeling very tired Uh, my body is pretty whacked um yeah it's getting better day by day i can move pretty smoothly but like i i'm just super fatigued right now
0: yeah yeah 100 mile wilderness four uh or 24 hours 35 minutes
1: 35 minutes and
0: six seconds and six seconds someone's got someone's got an opportunity to to slide in under those six seconds and still hit 24 hours 35 minutes exactly yeah so, <laughs> leaving leaving a lot of time out there yep, uh, <laughs> yep. so yeah man this we're, we're gonna there's a lot here to talk <laughs> about with this run um I'm wondering if if we can start out with maybe a little bit of a, a a deep conversation icebreaker. Sure. Um, you know, we ran this route together back in 2021. Uh, podcast listeners go go check out episode one of the pod, where we talk all about it? Um, and then in 2022 obviously there we did the 48 and you got injured what has this record chasing this record meant to you in the sense of you know i feel like i feel like both of us knew that you had that you had in you the ability to like make one of these big things happen and i'm sure a lot of people listening to the pod knew it as well but like how Just explain to me sort of like your mindset over the last few years and how, how frustrating if it's been frustrating, how frustrating it's been to, to sort of not have things work out and then to have it work out this time. Like, what does that all meant to you?
1: Yeah. Um, so first of all, I like in high school running track, you know, I was very good, but not great. And I always sort of knew that I had the engine to do the ultra stuff. So when 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 we and Nick did, started training for the 100 mile wilderness the first time, it sort of felt like I was coming into the thing that I was supposed to be coming into, um, right? It, it, had, it had been a long time coming. Um, and then that first one with Nick was, it was a really special moment because we sort of proved that we could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it wasn't, it wasn't as fast as we wanted. Um, but during that run and since that run, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a real challenge knowing that my fitness was, was up to, up to par, to do a lot of the really cool things that are out there in the New England FKT space. Um, and honestly, the, the failure was really, really, really gutting. Um, I, I think sort of throughout my life, uh, people have always been like, Oh my God, you're so great at this and so great at a bunch of things, but yet they'll never give, like, they'll never say that I'm like, I deserve the thing that I really wanted the a goal right Mm. I've always had to sort of settle for um the beagle which is fantastic which like has always been a great um great situation to be in but I have sort of never I've never gotten that experience of like I did absolutely everything I could I came out and I came out unequivocally like on top Yeah. And so, I mean, that that really hurt with with the 48, for sure. Um, And uh, this time around, you know, I knew I knew I was in, I was in much better shape than I was pretty much at any point in -hmm. my life. Um, I think that my training in New York was was really, really well suited to the 100 mile wilderness. And uh, I don't know, it, it, feel, it feels very good. But when I was scouting the trail, I, I was one of my mantras out there was like that this run was going to be like a reinvention because uh, to the extent that people were perceiving me in this space, um, I, I think that they have perceived me as sort of a sidekick character to, to what you have done. Um, which is a role that I'm happy to play. Um, and, but, but that I, I couldn't, I couldn't finish the job, couldn't Mm -hmm. couldn't finish it out, which was sort of a, a continuation of that feeling that I had in like an academic sense for, for a long time in a running sense throughout, um, sort of my track career. Um, and so I was, I was just saying, like, this run is about reinvention. Uh, like, yeah, and we're going to finish the job this time. And so, it, you know, it came out it across Bold bridge unequivocally on top. Yeah, you did.
0: Yeah, dude, that's sweet. I'm so I'm so glad it it worked out. And I. Yeah, there. Okay. One one thing, one one tangent you talked about is your training in New York, uh, and I know there can, there there will likely be some people listening to this thinking, well, your training in New York City was optimized for the hundred mile wilderness. How does that that seems uh, that seems counterintuitive? So how uh, explain yourself? What do, what do you mean it was optimized for the hundred
1: mile wilderness? Or it, it was relatively well optimized. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that being in New York, honestly, made me focus on um, made me focus on the sort of the macro level things that you can get really good at, right? Like, the most serious drawback is that it's harder to get on the trail, right, which sort of means that you aren't practicing that, like, proprioception mm-hmm. much. But obviously, I do have like, quite a bit of that built up sure. over the years um, and ultimately that you can train that relatively quickly. You cannot train like the aerobic base quickly. You cannot train sort of like your, um, lactate threshold quickly. Mm-hmm. So like I was able to really dial in on getting, a, a large amount of base training for me, at least, um, and really, really working at, sort of that threshold pace where like essentially no pace below threshold felt difficult. Like I, I could just, I could just move. Right. And one of the things that I said to you a lot was that like, I would be doing these workouts and I just, I never had to stop running. Even, mm-hmm. even though I was going pretty hard for a very long time, like it never had to stop moving or never I had to stop running. Um, and that was definitely a strength like that. I took out on the trail. Um, when, when I was running through the night, I was like, I'm still running. Like I'm still in this, like, as long as I can run, I I'm absolutely still in this. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And so in terms of your training, you know, for people, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some new people listening to, to the, To the pod who haven't necessarily heard all of your backstory yet, Mm -hmm. Um, so the 48 last June, we're doing it together, we're killing it together, and then you dislocate your ankle around mile 100. You push, you (laughs) can't keep pushing through about mile 130, and then it basically it becomes literally impossible for you to push more after the 48. That's in June 2022 what is, what does the process look like both physically and mentally? How quickly are you turning around and saying, I need, I'm doing the hundred mile wilderness. I'm like going to train specifically for this for a long period of time. And what, what led like, what was, when did your training start? What was the buildup and like what made you decide after the 48 that you needed to go back to the hundred mile wilderness?
1: Yeah, I think I always knew that I was going back to the 100 mile wilderness, like, before, like we we decided to do the 48 together. And even when we decided that, I knew that I was going back to the 100 mile wilderness at some point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, just because it's, it's such a special route to, to me, and I think very well suited to my strengths. Um, So it did not take that long for me to sort of say, okay, this is the this is the goal. Um, but it did take me a while to sort of get into that into like, legitimate training, I think that it started when I moved down into New York. Um, and yeah, physically, it took a long time to, to recover from the 48 mentally. But the physical process was sort of as you would expect. Um, sure. There were no, there are no sort of hiccups um uh, for the first like month or so after the 48 i was really really down um i i knew that i would rebound but i was down um and so that took me through to like the end of july right that that feeling of like oh i love running but like running is not loving me right now (laughs) um but I think, I think honestly, like the change of scenery and the transition into law school, it sort of forced me to like lean on my running again as, as sort of like a stability thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I could plan my day around um, while a lot of other things were changing. Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful because, you know, you, you sort of trick yourself into running for two weeks, right? Because, you you sort of need to to get familiar with your area to sort of like decompress after meeting hundreds of new people and all of that. For and sure. Like oh, you know I feel pretty good. Like maybe we can maybe we can start a training block. So I think in September was when I really started to to dial in um, and sort of look towards you know this June for for doing hundred mile wilderness. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, as for what my training looked like, I think I have a better understanding of what I need to do to be successful than I have before. Yeah. And, uh, basically like, I feel like I've, I've texted you this, like at least once in the last two weeks, but my, my first priority is easy base mileage. I think you can't do anything else without that. Mm -hmm. Uh, second priority is threshold work so for me that was working at working long extended intervals at like five forty-five to six minute pace um you could say like four by 15 minutes at 550 pace right with a two minute jog in between mm-hmm. um that was the second priority third priority was um sort of short short burst training where the heart rate is at a similar level as the threshold stuff but you're working at a at a faster pace and you're taking more break yeah sure uh, so that was that was sort of the the formula for what i tried to do with the training
0: yep okay so so you always knew you were going back to the hundred mile wilderness at some point but why why summer 2023
1: I mean, honestly, I didn't. I didn't really have any any other goals. Um, like, I, I it was sort of singular in my mind. Like, I I didn't seriously consider mm-hmm. do, doing any, anything else. Right. Like, um, the the hundred mile wilderness record had been on my mind every single day. Yeah. And since me, you, and Nick said we're gonna do this. This is what the record is right and i thought maybe we got a shot Mm -hmm. it had been on my mind every single day so it i don't think it would have been useful to be like ah let's push it off another year
0: yeah yeah sure yeah and were there uh obviously we uh we got to know the route pretty well throughout the process of doing it in 2021 uh Specifically, I think big uh, a a big part of it was that we spent a lot of time uh, figuring out logistics and the and the road situation there, right?
2: Um,
0: which is which is a, a fascinating part of this record, and I think is like a a big a big achievement of your record. Um, what what were your what were your takeaways from, you know, obviously we we ran the hundred mile wilderness in 2021 in 34 and a half hours, right? Uh, so actually pretty much exactly 10 hours shorter than than how fast you did it this time. And you know, it obviously um, it wasn't limited by by our fitness at the time, it was limited by by Nick's various bodily problems. <laughs> um, but what what did you take away from our run of the hundred mile wilderness in twenty twenty one and how did you how did you apply that to the to the lead up of of this effort?
1: Yeah, I I think that the the biggest thing that I took away was that at the time it was just that we could do it right. We could we could do a hundred miles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But to be honest, I I didn't think a ton about that run in, like, in the last few months of, of training. Um, that really wasn't mine. Other than sort of the subconscious, like knowing, like what the trail was. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Um, but I, I really didn't, didn't think much, much about it. Um, it was a great sort of launch pad, though, from a logistics standpoint, right, like such a blessing, to not have to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, On the logistics side, like my dad had driven the route like multiple times before. Um, He he knew the water crossings, like he, and just having that already on a piece of paper, even if I had to change the format, was like, was a huge leg up on somebody who, who is like trying for this record the first time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and so I did know that. I, I think that that made me able to dial in more small things about the run. Yeah, sure. Was that because we 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 started from a, a higher level of knowledge?
0: Yeah, yeah, that tracks for sure. Um, okay, so we've given them a nice twenty minute warm up to just talking about background. I'm sure there's stuff we missed, but I'm sure it'll come back around. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about the effort, or I, I guess we're still talking about the lead up to the effort because, um, you know, you, you were pretty locked in to this past weekend uh, around the, the Juneteenth weekend. Um, and as, as people who live in New England know, the, this spring has been extremely wet up here (laughs) and last week uh last week was no exception with you know thursday friday saturday being heavy rain in in northern new england um talk to me a little bit about your mindset you know planning planning this whole whole run and then um you know actually talk to me a little bit more too about the process of like um you know, putting together the crew and your training, your, no, not your training document, your, uh, your effort document, which is, uh, a really good, a, a really good, um, you know, planning document. I love, love a good planning document. And then, and then also talk to me about how, how the rain made you think about things going into it.
1: Yeah. Um, so pulling the crew together, uh, I, I had talked to you. I had talked to my dad very early on. I knew that it was going to be working out for your training, and my dad is <laughs> it's always always down for an adventure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I knew that you would be able to throw down a lot of miles on the trail. Which, Love throwing down miles. I'm super grateful, for. but like that's a huge thing, right? When you're thinking about pulling together the rest of the crew.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. one if you have one person who you know is going to drop at least 30 becomes so much easier to round out the rest of the mileage Um, yeah and one of my one of my things was like um i i wanted this to be as fast as i could go i really wanted like no no caveats and like uh, and there's a massive one with the effort how it turned out right like the sure the wetness is a is an enormous caveat Mm-hmm. But, but it, it is one, it is not like a multi-factor. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, and uh, that I'm still proud of. Um, but I, I wanted this to be 100% paced, right? I wanted to model it off of Alyssa Gadesky's, um New Hampshire 48 style and Jack Kenzel's White Mountains 100 style where they were carrying minimal equipment. Um, and having it totally paced, I—that's I, the only way that you can make it, you you can make yourself like truly, truly competitive at, at some of these bigger routes. Mm-hmm. I, and like, I mean, you look—I I don't know—it's—it's it's one of the interesting things about the East Coast is that, even for supported efforts, I think people look down on on that kind of style, right? And um. That doesn't really exist out west, like in you know, all of the races out there, and a lot of the efforts. Like, it's very commonplace for the runner to like be carrying essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. But on on the east coast, like y- you hear the the term like purity of the effort like thrown thrown around a lot, which which makes me roll my eyes because the purity that I was searching for was as fast as possible. Yeah. No caveats, like. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't like to me there there's like two if you're going for a speed effort there are two ways to make it as pure as possible either you have zero support whatsoever that's a level playing field or you have as much support as you can possibly get (laughs) that is that is also pure to me because like if we're doing this like half and half like like the way like you know in hindsight the way we did the 48 the way we got ourselves supported on the 48 was idiotic it was like halfway between supported and unsupported you know that's not a that's not a an optimized pure effort in any sense of the word but. um so i yeah i'm with you like if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna do it unsupported do it fully unsupported. if you're doing it supported there's no reason to do a supported effort if you're not going to get the absolute maximum support you possibly can.
1: I, yeah, I, and I, 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 think that that is especially true on, on some of the things that people, uh, on the like roots that people just care, care more about. It's like, it, I think you really should optimize. If you're going supported, you should optimize as much as you can. Yep. Um, but so yeah, I need to pull together a crew. Um, you were really well connected with Zach McCarthy and I had talked with him. We had like passed by each other a lot and never met in person, but we had like talked.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he was going to support us for the 48 and then he, uh, and then he broke his collarbone mountain biking.
1: Right. Like, There's.
0: I feel like there were all these things where you guys, you guys could have met and, and it just like sloped by.
1: Um, but he was a pretty uh, like he was pretty excited. Um, at the beginning and then like ended up where we weren't sure if he was going to come, but he did. Um, so that was great. And then I ended up reaching out to a bunch of like former record holders and other people in Maine that I, I really thought could throw down like 25 miles on the trail. And everyone, everyone that I reached out to was super psyched, um, that I was going for it. And, really wanted to be out there and you know sometimes you have scheduling conflicts but i really tried to like push myself to like reach out to people who i hadn't maybe even connected with before Mm -hmm. uh, to try to get them out there and i i think that it you know um that that paid off like i got a bunch of people out there we had a great team uh and even the people who weren't able to go but were invited they were some of the first people to like text me and congratulate me and stuff so like they were watching um so that was, that was really nice even even though like some of them I, I still haven't met in person right yeah yeah um so yeah i i i blasted it out to like the to like the main trail running community like that i that i knew of right like I really sent it out, um, and the the crew dwindled, you know, with the weather changes because it ended up being Monday, Tuesday, which is sort of weird, right? It's not like it's not uh, it's not a weekday that you could plan to take off, right? Right. And it's not the weekend, so. Um,
0: right. So the the original plan for people was to go Saturday, Sunday of that Juneteenth weekend, but the the rain. Uh, made that impossible so it would we uh xander pushed it to to monday tuesday
1: yeah and so we ended up like barely having enough to have it be 100 percent supported but we did it and that's what matters um yep yeah and then um so that was pulling the crew together and the weather had me super super anxious um for the few days leading up to it Um, yeah, just not knowing how much rain would come, and then the rain did come, and it was way more than expected Mm -hmm. and you know, I I, I mentioned in my trip report, like, I went out and scouted two of the river crossings, the east and west branch of the Pleasant River and, like, you correctly, like, made fun of me for that decision
0: Um, (laughs) Well, he he did it on Sunday like right after two that. hours after it stopped raining and I was like yeah of course the water level is going to be absurd <laughs> like it's a I don't know I've I've always thrown out uh the uh, my, my understanding of the hundred mile wilderness has always been water levels go up quick water levels go down quick uh which is true to an extent but um apparently there's a there's a caveat for like three inches of rain in 24 hours
1: <laughs> yeah I mean the uh it was like yeah. So th- that was scary. And I was, I was a nervous wreck in the night before, <laughs> super worried because I was like, oh my God, like I I just met like a couple of these people. Like, what am I, what am I taking them out into?
2: <laughs>
1: but you know, you have everyone there and like looking forward uh, in the weather forecast, it didn't really make sense to do it then either. Right. Like it was, was going to be 80 plus degrees for the rest of the week. Right. I wasn't ready for that. And then starting this weekend, it's a it's another batch of batch of huge rain. So um, and I wasn't ready to push it off. Yeah, like I hadn't I hadn't trained for like three weeks, right? Like right pushing that to four and a half five weeks, and then still having to deal with the same the same sort of condition game that that did not like bode well. So uh, you know we went for it
0: yep yeah that's fair so yeah to to go through the the crew it ended up being um your dad being the your dad and your mom being the the primary um support crew uh betsy and crass yes as as they say
2: Uh,
0: and then for pacers we had uh we had myself we had uh liam piper yes uh, young stud yeah uh we had um luke spooner uh xander's xander's rival and battle companion on uh on the new prezi traverse uh the 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 miles knob loop uh (laughs) which which was so fun to see like these two these two guys who have been battling it out on this random route in maine for uh for like years now (laughs) (laughs) and 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 Luke is just a a a funny guy uh he's he's and and a great athlete and he's only 18 so I'm I'm super excited to see what he does in the future here but yeah uh me Liam Luke uh Zach McCarthy who we already talked about and Veronica Leeds, obviously stud um
1: yeah Veronica is huge like yeah so she got recruited in like the last 48 hours before the run um by zach and i was just like okay yeah go for it i i had never seen her before on strava or anything um but like zach vouched for her mm-hmm. and I, was, I said yeah come along and she ended up being absolutely crucial
0: yeah she was huge she was
1: absolutely huge
0: um yeah and oh i actually ran into her on uh on moose lock yesterday yeah she was she was just running around up there <laughs> When when Bill and I came by,
1: she slams Miles. It's yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, okay, so that's the crew. That's the situation. Uh, Monday morning rolls around. You were also going to do a two p.m. start.
1: Yes, I, I was. Oh, I was so proud of my two p.m. start. <laughs> I, thought that I had broken the. Uh, I thought that I had broken the the game wide open on this. See, because if you. <laughs> I'll explain this for like the seventeenth time to Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so night falls around eight forty-five, nine p.m. there, and so if you start at two p.m. and you're moving at like a twenty-four hour pace, um, you you get off of the last chairback mountain and like get down that sort of hairy descent off the last chairback mm-hmm. right as darkness falls. Yep. And then it's, like, pretty clean running down to the river. Um, And then Whitecap is generally pretty – as clean as it gets um, in the 100-mile wilderness. Yeah. And it's climbing. Um, And and then the next section, Little Boardman, is not, like – it is not terribly technical either. So – but it does have some climbing. So it's sort of compounding the darkness and the climbing – Thinking, like yeah, I'm gonna be slower, but I'm not gonna be like doubly slow because of the night and the the climbing, right? And I right. Whereas, the the night's gonna slow you down all the time. Climbing's gonna slow you down all the time. Didn't want to have to slow down on the climbing, and then later on slow slow down during the night. Right. Um, and sort of have two factors, you know, working separately. Mm-hmm. Um, but alas, like. The the two massive things with that is that you cross both the the West Branch and the East Branch overnight. Um, yeah, if you do that,
0: West Branch and East Branch of the of the Pleasant River, as it is. There's yep. one uh, for people who don't know the route super well. There the West Branch uh, is at around mile thirty. It's uh, so it's a wide, generally shallow river, uh, generally slow moving. Yeah. And uh and then the east branch, and that's on one side of White Cab Mountain on the other side of White Cab Mountain, uh at around mile forty-ish. Four yeah, at around then. Um there's the east branch, which is thinner, faster moving, can get higher. Um those are kind of the two biggest water crossings in the hundred mile wilderness.
1: Yeah. Um and so obviously with the water level like uh so high didn't really feel comfortable doing doing those overnight and that that ended up being the right decision the water level went (laughs) and like and none of the crossings were like super sketchy Mm -hmm. but overnight i there would have been much more anxiety about it Um, yep so we we did make the right call there
0: yeah um sick so so you've now abandoned your your two p.m. start, which has been your pride and joy for the last six to eight months.
1: Yeah, I, I was so psyched about it. I, <laughs> it, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. yes. I, I I truly think now that now that I'm done and I've put in like such a uh, such an effort that I'm proud of, mm-hmm. I will give my proprietary two p.m. start um, away.
0: <laughs>
1: to the public.
0: I mean, you don't have to like. I, if someone, if someone like messages you being like, "Hey, I'm going after the hundred mile wilderness." I don't think the first text you should send them is start at 2 p.m. <laughs> but I feel like the resources are there. If they're if they're an avid podcast listener, which they should be, then they'll hear about it right here. Yeah. So no,
1: I'm not I'm not just going to to offer it up the first thing. But like, if, if somebody asks me what my thoughts are on a start time, yeah, I will tell them that I think an early afternoon start getting off the chair backs and then darkness falling is the weird.
0: Point. If I were you, I'd tell them a midnight start. <laughs> <laughs> <It'd be heinous.
1: laughs>
0: um, okay. So 7am rolls around. Yep. It is uh, it's go time. Uh, first section, 15 miles uh, approximately. And it's you and Liam, you and Liam Piper.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: how does that first section go? Uh, and uh, and what are you know I know the the, pri- the possibly the biggest thing on your mind during this first section when you start is how are the trails going to be
1: right like, yeah. am I
0: going to be swimming through this whole thing what uh what transpires in those first fifteen miles
1: yeah so Liam was a hero going out in the first section because like truly we had no idea what what the trail was going to look like um yeah body felt good but we, we got our feet wet immediately like within the first quarter mile. Like we had to, we had to cross like, there's a uh, there's like a stream and like what's normally a bog bridge, like going over it. Um, like right after the sign that says like have 10 days of food or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that bog bridge was under flowing water. And- so we like immediately not just got our feet wet but like absolutely saturated like in the first quarter mile yeah and so but in some sense it was a positive because like the water wasn't moving that fast it wasn't like crazy high it was just a lot and that was sort of indicative of that first section I think um, we ran through a lot of puddles um, and th- there's a lot of like little water crossings in that Yes. In that first section because it's very like it's very lowland like um, it, it's you're running through a valley for like the first 15 miles there's no no huge climbs it's just sort of rolling lots of little streams around right like there's little Wilson stream big Wilson stream, Lehman Brook I believe, um, Long Pond so you're getting like you're getting so many so many little stream crossings um, mm-hmm. that aren't there in dry conditions um but on it and so i i meant to go out pretty conservatively there and i i met that goal um we really didn't didn't hammer very hard anywhere which was good um that that section is very monotonous, um, and in the past I've like i have really not liked it that much. It's like my least favorite section mm-hmm. of my wilderness because it, it just feels like so much of the same. You're just you it's hard to tell that you're making progress. Yeah, sure. Um, but it in some ways like this time around because I had sort of these water crossings in mind and kept we kept passing them like it created more landmarks in my head. Mm. And so it, I could tell that we were making progress a little bit more. Um, and uh, I ended up being very happy with it. And, you know, there's one water crossing at like mile 14 or something um, where a, a trail runner had gotten swept away, unhurt, but swept away, um, you know, on Sunday. And, well we got there and you coached me and Liam across. Did not help. I want that clear. <laughs> did not yeah, yeah. did not physically help, but coached us across.
0: Yeah, no. I'm about to I'm about to pat myself on the back huge.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> listen, listen guys, as as avid podcast listeners of, of my show, you know that I love big miles. <laughs> but I told Xander thirty miles. Uh, And then um, with the with the water crossings and like having through hiked, I was the only person that had substantial experience crossing like fording rivers, essentially. Um, And so essentially I got 10 miles added to my day (laughs) via uh, my basically my job was to get to water crossings and scout him out
2: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. That,
0: so that when xander got there i could just like point and be like that's the way across so yes i did not uh i did not push him across that is like very against the rules but uh i just i just said step on that rock <laughs> yeah
1: and, and that was that was hugely helpful right because it, it gave me a ton of peace of mind during the actual running mm-hmm. um so uh like mentally and emotionally that was that was that was huge for me yeah um, but so we got through that that river crossing that had been really bad the day before with relative ease, right? And um, so that was a really nice way to cap off the section being like, okay, like, the water level's high, we're going to be wet the whole time, but these water crossings aren't going to prevent us from finishing. Mm-hmm. Like, we are going to be able to cross this stuff. And cross it without like burning you know 15 minutes on it right so that was really good and you know i got to that first re- resupply feeling pretty positive
0: yeah sick um cool and then so now you leave the the monotonous section yeah of the 100 mile wilderness yes, think, go ahead
1: i arrived at like 328 um 328 being elapsed time. Elapsed time to that resupply, which was seven minutes ahead of what Finn Melanson, Melanson ran on his unsupported attempt. So it wasn't it like it wasn't that much faster. Than yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. No, right. Okay. But that was deliberate.
1: That was deliberate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so now you're into two very two very non monotonous sections which are the, your next two are the the chairbacks and then the and then white cab um so the chairbacks you and zach steaming across at least what i consider probably the most difficult 15 miles of you know normal conditions yeah the most difficult 15 miles of the of the hundred mile wilderness how how uh how did that section go
1: uh i I mean, it, it went well. We had a, we had a couple couple little mishaps that I'll get to, but like because it's higher up, there was less less sort of standing water on, on the trail, so we mm-hmm. weren't totally sopping. They were they were definitely damp, and we got we got wet, but like uh, it wasn't it wasn't quite as bad as that first section. Um, and the chairbacks have really been a strength of mine mm-hmm. uh, running them the past few times um yeah uh i think both finn and barry hal who for reference had nearly identical times totally opposite styles getting to those times but nearly identical like finish times both of them took like four and a half hours or more um to get through the chairbacks, and i i knew that i could go for like under four hours um for for the chairbacks just because i i feel like so much of it is runnable Mm -hmm. um there there's some climbs and as as long as you just like and then the climbs are difficult but as long as you just don't cook yourself on those climbs you can can run so much just
0: hold the rope as they say
1: right and so that's what we did. And Zach sort of, he's, he sort of started out not really feeling incredible, um, but yeah. he got into a groove after that first climb, which, like, to be fair, is, like, a solid, like, 1,200 feet in less than a mile. Like, pretty mm-hmm. really stiff to start out. Um, yeah, and then over the ridge, we just kind of cooked. We made two mistakes. Um, one where the AT it's signed in sort of two directions, one going through a bog and then over a, like a small little rocky area and mm-hmm. one going around the bog and rocky area. And we did that loop, unfortunately, no, nice. Um, which added, you know, two or three minutes. Uh, and then another one where we followed a herd path, which also loops around um, that added two or three minutes. And then something super weird happened. I like sort of scraped my arm against a tree and my watch just fell off. And we <laughs>
0: That's so crazy.
1: Yeah, I know. And we we thought that I had like lost my watch, like part of the watch band um, for a little bit. Um, but luckily that did not happen. Interesting. And I had to like play it, like do the little pin thing, like to get it back in, to get the watch band, like back attached to the actual like,
0: Oh, so it didn't just like, it didn't just like unclip your watch. It like, it like broke the watch band off the watch. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I thought it just like unclipped it from your wrist somehow.
1: No. Huh. Yeah. Uh. So that was whack. I had to use a little fine motor skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, which is, so that added a couple minutes too, which is too bad because otherwise we would have done the chair backs. In like 350, yeah, right, which would have been like ludicrously fast, and it, but we were moving so smooth, so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that we had those had those mistakes, but like those are gonna happen, like over right. the course of 100 miles, like and yep. and in many of this t- these kinds of efforts, people make way worse like navigational miscues. Um, we were we were lucky to catch them, catch them pretty quick. Right. Um, yep. and that's, that's just sort of part of the game. Uh, yep. so we, we came in, we got down to the river in, in four hours the descent off of the chairbacks was, was pretty smooth. I was definitely worried about like really cooking the legs, um, mm-hmm. there. So we stayed super, super conservative. Um, but throughout the chairbacks, I was really pleased with myself. Just because I I had been super consistent, just running like essentially like just like straight like 15s for the whole time. Yep. Um there were there was no big swings other than that first um, that first mile where there's a ton of climbing. We got down to the west branch in four hours since the prior resupply. And for reference, I was like I was splitting on my watch like for the resupplies so it was like 328 to get to the resupply the first one and then i hit the watch to t- take a split it was a five minute split for the resupply mm. it again so from that the end of that five minute split it was four hours to get down to the river
0: gotcha yeah yeah okay sick and quick shout out to zach he uh, he was obviously as, as i'm sure many of you know he was on denali with jack uh, Jack Kensal recently. <laughs> and, um, he had, uh, a severe bout of acute mountain sickness, uh, up at 14,000 feet. And it was a whole thing. Luckily he got down, uh, Denali and off the glacier safely. Um, but then he got home and pretty quickly made the turnaround to coming up and running, uh, with Xander. So that was, that was pretty, pretty sick that he, uh,
1: that he did that (laughs) yeah it was huge I'm very grateful for him for him getting out I I certainly know like you know it it can't have been the easiest um like after after everything that happened on on Denali but I I'm very grateful that he got he got out with us um because he was huge you know and he's a he's a big uh big culture guy as it were
0: big Um, culture guy yeah
1: and and he knows how these things are done right it's very helpful to have that knowledge Um, One other thing about finishing the chairbacks. this was (laughs) about a mile up from the river, was the first appearance of Luke Cowbell Spooner. (laughs) Uh, So true. Luke ran in to a bunch of the legs with with the cowbell that he brought and was just running up and ringing it. And this is the first time that we heard it. And just what a freaking hero you know like uh, absolute madman. i i told him like so many times on the run but i will say it again here like it's, it's like such a big boost i think when when somebody comes comes in and like takes you through to the resupply yeah yeah because sometimes that last mile can feel like it takes forever yeah sure and so seeing seeing somebody somebody new eh, who's like psyched to see you too like it's it's huge and luke was such a such a trooper doing that um yeah i mean just doing doing noble work out there yeah yeah yeah. no (laughs) that's real funny oh we
0: also like you know thinking about this and i was just thinking about this right now we had a pretty young uh pretty young crew out there like zach was the old man of our pacing crew and he's 25
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: um yeah,
1: we did have some young bucks out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah, so then you come down to to the to the west branch of the pleasant which is moderately moving now. Yeah, uh, but more like more like thigh to waist deep instead of ankle deep like it usually
1: is. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely definitely waist deep for me. <laughs>
0: depends on which rock you're stepping on yeah uh, but yeah so um, you motor across there and then uh, and then the world's greatest pacer who is shortly here gonna start a, a pacing company uh, and charging people for it uh, takes you over whitecap in a flawless effort <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> talk about that uh, talk about that stretch of the trail so one I was really pleased it took us six minutes to get across the river. Do a resupply and then start.
0: Yeah, that was quick.
1: Which is like insane, given that like you have to cross this like pretty serious river and then totally change shoes and socks. Like um, that, I was I was very impressed with how quickly our team handled the resupplies. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and after the chairbacks, I was probably about. 45 minutes to an hour up on, on record pace. Mm -hmm. So the the 29 hour mark uh, essentially. Um, And I was, I was hitting my splits for 24 hours. So that that's important to know. The, um, the white cap section was one where I thought that we could make up the most ground um, on my projected splits because when I scouted it, there was a ton of snow up top. Right. And I, You projected
0: 17-minute splits over white cup.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we ended up going like 15, like mid 15s.
0: Yeah, I want to say it was around 15 30s.
1: Yeah, um, which is wild. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And this is where I really put a gap on the prior records, and where like the 20 24-hour mark really became like on the table right mm-hmm. if i had if i had melted down a, even a little bit on white cap like 24 hours would have been a real stretch um but th- this was a great section um we ran the first 5 miles of like gradual gradual uphill very smoothly i yep. thought um really not expending a ton of effort it was it was, it was pretty wild um, and again it's a little bit a little bit drier conditions there because things are you know, you're at slightly higher elevation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was very pleased with with how we handled that. Um, the climb up to Gulf Hagus is is I think the steepest climb of the whole thing.
0: Is uh, it really? I always I always thought that the that the barren climb was the
1: steepest. It might be, but, like, the, the you know that the barren climb is going to be brutal. Right. But the Gulf Hagus one, I think, is, I personally think that it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And But we just, I, I think I told you, like, right before, it was, like, if we're in a hiking gate, we are moving very conservatively. Right. And we just, we just got up it with, like, very little uh very little issue and then once you're up gulf hagas things become very gradual um both descents and uh and ascending the other three peaks up there um so we like we motored um <laughs> like across that ridge uh i do think that we could have gone faster there were there were parts that we could have run more uphills that weren't terribly yeah. technical that we probably put- uh- could have run I don't run up hills <laughs> but it was all part of the like sort of conservative mindset like one of the things that Barry Howe really tried to get into my head um was that like <laughs> you can make up so much time in the back half like you you need to get to the top of white cap like feeling very much alive <laughs> yeah for sure without without cooking yourself like at all really yeah um, and so I, that was sort of driving, um, you know, my, my thought process going through, going through that ridge. Um, but we ran really smoothly on the, on the flats and downs. Uh, we ran a lot. Um, and I, again, the, the, the name of those first 45 was just like, stay super consistent, mm-hmm. which I think we did. Um, yeah, the, uh, I, we i think we both sort of forgot about white cap specifically how like if there's kind of an intense section of climbing to get you white cap is like 3600 feet yeah there's a very intense bit of climbing to get you up to 3500 and then you just like hang around for three quarters of a mile yeah 3500 and 3600 it's like actually ludicrous
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um, definitely so that was annoying, but we like summited at like 10 hours, 35 minutes, which, um, yeah, it's real fast. <laughs> we, yeah. Which is real fast. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was huge. We we were psyched at the top of white cap yep. because like e- even there we sort of knew like barring a, a complete implosion, I was going to break that 29 hour mark.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it became it became clear pretty on pretty early on that well, at least for me, it it was clear going into the record that there was going to have to be a superior, severe implosion for you not to at least get the record. But that yeah. wasn't, you know, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit. Like that, that was like barring a severe implosion, like getting the record was a foregone conclusion. That wasn't like we were we weren't even really talking about that. Yeah, like. We were talking about. We were talking about um, okay. On a good day, what's a what's a reasonable time to try to hit on a on the best day possible? What's a reasonable time to hit? And uh, and I think the the lines you set for that were were, I think like very reasonable. Like if looking at the at the leaderboard for for the hundred mile wilderness, going in if you didn't know the kind of prep and training that you had you'd think that those goals were kind of ludicrous but I felt very comfortable like when so his. I mean you can talk about the the paces that you'd or the the times that you had considered for for different objectives
1: yeah I um I I sort of thought that on a on a good day I was very confident that I could run 25 hours um And on a great day, I thought that I could run 24, but I knew that the margins were going to be really slim for the for the 24 hour mark. Um, But I think really helpful to go out at that 24 hour pace because like, I knew it wasn't going to blow me up Mm -hmm. at that pace, right? And if things just weren't going my way, I could throttle down, right? And, and still be very much alive, not have burned too, too much, right? Like, the 24 hour pace was a reasonable thing to like set myself up to do, even if it was going to take like close to perfection. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of things that chipped away at at that. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, those, those are my lines, 24 and 25. And then like the, the only other like line that I really had in mind other than, like the 29 hours and change mark for the former FKT was Jack Kenzel's like 26, 12, uh, time for the white mountains, 100, which was for no reason other than like the white mountains, 100 is a harder route. Right. And it is like a couple miles longer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I just felt like, Oh my God, like I got it. I got to take it under under that at least. So that was another yeah way yeah yeah. Line, but we didn't really talk about that um, because I no, sure. felt like on a normal day I could hit twenty five. Right,
0: yeah, and you know I'm a I'm a skeptic when it comes to to I'm a skeptic when it comes to split projections unless I have good good evidence that that person can hit those splits. Like I'm I'm generally. I'm generally kind of a dick about it, <laughs> but uh, but like your training was so good, and then like as soon as I saw your scout of it, which we didn't even talk about. Oh, your scout of it. Uh, yeah, as soon as I saw your 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 time on the scout, I was like, yeah, this this is this thing's fucking toast. <laughs> tell them, tell them we're we're diverting off of your actual effort, but tell them briefly about uh about your scouting mission.
1: OK, well it, no it's good because white cap is such like a it's such an important moment in the in the race right from a pacing perspective right like,
0: explain why that is just like kind of maybe the 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 bigger layout of the 100 mile
1: wilderness and why white cap is such an important part yeah so there's like there's 4500 feet of climbing in the white cap section which is huge there's mm. There is between 16 and 17,000 feet of vertical in the whole thing. And there's like 4,500 in the white cap section. Uh, and there's about, there's a little bit over 4,000 in the chairbacks. And there's about 3,000 in the first 15 miles. So add that together and you have, and white cap is at mile 40, also. Mm-hmm. Um, add that together and you're like, between 11 and 12,000 feet of vertical done in the first 40 miles of like 17,000, right? Right. There's a disproportionate amount of, of climbing in those first 40, which is why if you go out too hard in the hundred mile wilderness, like you can't take advantage of the flat stuff later on. Yep. Um, Which is, which is a huge trap, right? Um, yeah. And it, it can be a trap, both ways, you can go out too hard and cook yourself and not be able to take advantage, or you can go out too conservatively, summit white cap, which is marks the end of that sort of disproportionate climbing stage. Um, you can summit white cap too slow and then you can't make up enough. Right. Particularly if you're dealing with the night in the second half. Yeah. Um, Because that, that throws another curveball, right? You might be planning on on picking up a lot of time, but the night really can make it difficult. Um so White Cap is enormous. It's like a it's a big landmark where like, okay, it's like the the big climbing is done. Like now this becomes this becomes like a 55-56 mile run for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas before you're doing a pretty even mix of running and hiking, and there's very I think only a few athletes who could who could be running more than like two-thirds of the time yeah me (laughs) Uh, two-thirds or three-quarters of the time yeah for those first 40 miles um but in the back half if you're if you're fit you can run like probably 90 percent of of the mileage um so it's a white cap is an important moment Um, the scout, yeah, I went out just after finals in the middle of May, um, and ran the trail in three days. I did the first 30 on day one, second 30 on day two, and then the last 40 on day three. Um, and my running time for those were, was just under 23 hours. Yeah. Um, without really working super hard, um, I was trying to sort of simulate what uh, what a race effort would be mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, and in there, in some ways, the conditions were a lot better. It was a lot drier. The water crossings were not hairy at all, um, but there were a ton of blowdowns um, because you know the trail crews hadn't hadn't gone through yet. Right. Um, but that was sort of my my scout, and that gave me a ton of confidence that the the 24 hour paces were not insane
0: right for sure yep so yeah as soon as i saw that as soon as i just saw that those splits for for that time and it's not like you know you could you could if, if you did if you did like 10 10 mile days to scout it you could be like well those splits are kind of fake like he's right. not gonna be able to sustain that but 230s and a 40 are uh, are are no uh no small thing. So as soon as I saw those splits, I was like, "Yeah, it would. It's gonna. It's gonna take something terrible happening to basically. I thought it would take something crazy happening to go under to go over twenty five hours. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> or maybe maybe twenty six. Twenty five is still pretty. You know. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I think we're still talking about white cap. We got to the summit of white cap ten hours and thirty five minutes. Yeah, we're. Um, and and then we're headed down, hit the shelter, and who's at the... There, there's a shelter, like, right off the backside of Whitecap, uh, maybe, like, a third of the way down the descent. Yeah. And who's there with the cowbell?
1: Dude, that uh-huh. loop is there. <laughs> Ringing away. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, pacing the next section, so he's, like... <laughs> he is just out there trying to get three extra miles, like... <laughs> Doing that round trip uh, <laughs> up to the shelter. Yeah. Absolute beast. Uh, he takes us down and that, that descent off white cap, you lose a ton of vert early on, but then it's like, it's pretty clean running. Um, yep. so we we're, we we're moving well. Um, we weren't like cooking the legs or anything, but, um, yeah, yeah. but we were, we were moving well and it felt really, really good getting down to that Logan Brook road. Um, at the bottom of white cap. Yep. Um,
0: Oh, that was the part where my bowels almost exploded. That was horrifying.
1: There's a sick video of Will coming out of the woods, saying that he has to shit with the force of a thousand suns. (laughs) And he looked so happy saying it. He's like, like he definitely had that line teed up for like a mile.
0: I absolutely did have it teed up for the last mile. It was so like, it was some of the worst because I I couldn't like, you know, usually if you have to if you have to poop that bad you just do it but i was pacing so i was like i can't stop we only have a couple miles left to go it was some of the worst abdominal cramping i've ever had in my entire life like there were a couple times where like a cramp came and i was like almost keeled over but i was like i gotta keep running (laughs) and then we got to logan brook road and yeah it was oh it was sweet relief
1: what one one more thing about white Cap. um There there was a time where I started feeling, like, a little bit of pressure in the stomach. Mm. Um, And it sort of seemed like I just hadn't, like, burped for a long time. Infinite sort of causes me to burp a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I took a Pepto, and that problem resolved itself in about a half an hour. I'm a huge believer in carrying Pepto (laughs) on on ultra efforts. I I think it's huge. Um, I, I think it can ward off... Nutritional failures,
0: um, right? Not that there's any chance of nutritional failure with infinite, because it is God's gift to runners.
1: But, right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay, down at Logan Brook Road. So that next section has it's about seven miles. It has two two little little climbs, um, one of them being Little Boardman, which is like roughly the 50 mile mark. Um, and but this this section also has the east branch, um, of the Pleasant River, and I this section just went really really smooth. Um, interestingly, this is where Barry, Hal, and Finn, um, they their styles sort of start to converge. Barry was very conservative in the beginning. Finn was very fast, mm. um, but they both run an hour thirty eight minutes for this section, mm-hmm. um, and. After Whitecap, I was like, mm, "Wow, I don't know. Like, I might, I might give give back a little time here, um, just because of how raging the water crossing might be, and you know, I was going to start to feel feel tired. Like, things were going to start taking their toll. Nope. Uh, but no, like Luke, I dude, Luke just Luke just kept chatting me through it. Like, he had a really really good sense of what I was going to be able to run and what. I was going to be able to hike. Um, so, like, without me even, like, directing him a lot, like, he he really had it down, like, the pace that I wanted to go at. Yeah. At, which is huge, right? Like, when you don't have to direct your pacer, um, and, like, me and you have a very good rhythm, but we've done so many miles together. Yeah, yeah, sure. But he, like, he had, he had a great understanding of, like, exactly where I was um yeah i like to think
0: that's because he's a he's a five-year younger version of you
1: dude maybe yeah and like i historically i have not liked that section very much Mm because i don't think it's like that i don't think it's that pretty the little boardman climb is like annoying um (laughs) like it's too it's too small comparatively to white cap to really like mean anything but yet it's still like kind of steep um but he like took me through it very very smoothly yep and we ended up like coming through it like 135 or something so like getting another three minutes on a very short section up on up on the record where both barry and finn were very fast like some, some of their fastest running on that section um so i was i was psyched about that
0: yeah yeah, that was sick. You also made me run into the east branch of the Pleasant with you guys to make sure that, that the that the river was fine. And I didn't even end up I didn't even end up crossing it to scout it for you. Like you got there and it was just fine and I was like shit, I just added three miles to my day for nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. you're still a hero from doing that.
0: Yeah, I know, man. I am not all heroes wear capes, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, okay. So, yeah, Goat Goat and hype man Luke Spooner drags yeah. you through the uh, through that 7-mile section. The sun also sets during that section, correct?
1: Um yes, it's still light out when we when we finish it. Okay. But like we we have to put put the headlamps on yeah. at that ne- at that next stop.
0: And then I can't remember next section next section is Veronica, yeah?
1: Uh, yeah, seven. Another seven miles. Uh, really, the it, what should be the easiest running of the of the trail, because the, the trail pretty much follows a logging road. Right. Um, for this this part, um, still more technical than the trails out west. I don't want back there. <laughs> Xander's, uh, Xander's watching Western
0: States on his phone today, and he just keeps <laughs> talking to me about how these trails are a joke. <laughs> like, there's no technicality. Everything's so easy out there, which I agree with. Like, yeah, all you West Coasters who are like, uh, I've, I've been hearing a lot about how your oh, your mountains are tall and your trails are whatever. Like, no. No, right. Your, your trails are a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know I have people from the West that listen to this podcast. Your trails are beautiful and hard, but they just, they're in a totally different way, in a totally different way. Like if I were at 10,000 feet, I wouldn't be able to run any pace at all because I would be gassed. And I'm not like acclimated for that. Uh, I'm just saying that like East Coast trails are much more technical. Yeah. That is all we're saying. Even the, the like
1: cleanest part of this trail
0: this is roots and rocks go listen to joffrey peter's episode with me Uh, i think it was last episode hellscape of roots and rocks
1: (laughs) yeah is the 100 mile yep uh but yeah uh, this section with veronica was was great um there's a little like little water crossing i hadn't really remembered um in the first like mile or so uh that was like kind of kind of sketchy Uh, as the sun was going down, um, it took us a little bit longer to get through it. Um, unfortunately this section is like lower elevation. So there was a lot more water on the trail. Yeah. Um, and we like slogged through it pretty well. I was hoping to, to pick up more time here because it's just so clean. Right. Um, but it it sort of started this interesting dynamic where the water was like slowing us down you know like there were there were parts on the trail where it's like knee-deep water and like you can't really run you just sort of have to wade through these like these sort of puddles I guess
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and but then it would be like bone dry for the next quarter mile right and so you start like really like working hard on on the clean stuff, and then getting really slowed down like going through the more significant water. Yeah. Um, and we we would have to deal with that for for a long time. Um, but this section, you know, went uh, this section specifically, you've got to go fast because the trail allows you to. Right. Uh, so they're like. They are pretty critical miles where, like, if you go a little bit too slow, like, you, you can you can give a lot of time back. Um, it, even if you're running, like, 14-minute miles, which is, like, pretty quick for the 100-mile the wilderness generally. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got to run pretty fast there. Um, but we came through in, like, 128, I think, for those seven, 7.2 miles, um, yep. which was slightly ahead of my like budgeted pace
0: um i'm trying to remember this this next road crossing with uh it's joe mary it's joe mary i just just don't i don't i don't remember it at all for some reason what 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 happened in the next reason so the next your next pacer was luke right no it was supposed to be zach
1: oh yeah but but veronica took the took the next one ended up taking the next one so right. we did like 21 ish miles so yeah 21 22 miles together in a row Yep.
0: Yeah. okay i remember this now yeah the the that resupply point and the next resupply point um where i'd like actually got a tiny bit of sleep i have melded together in my mind <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so we like went out and tried to do tried to do the same thing. The next section is like 14 and a half miles and it's um, this is, it's like a really important part of the run, right? It's like 59 to
2: 72 73
1: miles. Mm-hmm. Right? So very much in that in the middle third where you can like make or break it. Um, but th- this part like stays, pretty flat and pretty low yeah it it starts going by even more like rivers and streams and like under normal conditions you don't have to cross like really anything no
0: there's no under normal conditions there are no under normal conditions, I, I just want to make this clear for people, there is one mandatory ford in the 100 mile wilderness under like low to normal water conditions, which is the west that that one we were talking about that's ankle deep, very wide, the west branch of the of the Pleasant River. Every other one, even the east branch of the Pleasant River, you can normally rock hop across. Yeah. And but the problem is like when the water level is high, now you're now you've got like, you know, 15 oh. or 20 or whatever. <laughs>
1: And so this was, this section was more of the same, like relatively clear running. And we were moving really well, like where it was clear, but so much, so much standing water, so much standing water and so many places where Namakon's a stream, which is like, like it's bigger than what you think of as a stream. Like it's a, it's a river, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in some places there was just like pretty significant runoff Right. That had, that had pooled on the trail. Um, and this, I was like, not really prepared for I hadn't been thinking about this, but like, we got wet, we got wet so much. In, yeah. in this section. And we, we started, we were playing that same game of like work, work really hard on the, on the runnable stuff and then get slowed down on the, on the big water. Um, but here, here the water was like up to the, up to waist deep, up to chest deep. Like these pools were enormous. Um, and like there were, there were points where, and this was on the trail, right? So like we had to have like Gaia out to sort of like find our way (laughs) moving across these, like these enormous ponds created by the runoff of the stream um so i'm like holding veronica's phone like above above the waterline.
0: yeah dude yeah like <laughs> chesty for you is like even higher for dude she's an absolute fucking hero <laughs> for doing that yeah.
1: i mean it, it was wild and that sort of rattled me um yeah like the, this and this section is like it's in the middle of the night right that we're doing this um it's I think it's like 11, or we start at like 10-ish and end at like one one thirty or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you know, we, we gave back a little bit of time, but generally I felt pretty good in this until like the last three miles where there was one crossing where the water was moving pretty fast. That, that kind of sketched me out. Um, and like we, we got across it fine and quickly. But afterward I just felt rattled my legs got really cold my mm-hmm. muscle and joints sort of seized up um, and that would sort of be the story for the next um, for the next couple of hours was dealing with that um, so the, the section was a mixed bag right like we did some really good running and we could have given up a ton more time than we did right um, we had planned I had planned to come through at 315. We came through at 328, which is, like, not too bad, um, all things considered, considering midnight uh, and the, in the water level. Um, but I came into that resupply feeling, like, okay, like, 24-ish miles left, but, like, this is this is a big ask. Um, right. And the, the thing that was physically like sort of draining me was my my right knee um just starting to feel very not stable Mm -hmm. um like i just couldn't trust it on anything super technical um and like it was taking a lot of energy to land on my right side
0: right yeah yeah this is all happening i also think like there had to have been a a mental component too right of like you know, you're wading through chest deep water with, you know, what twenty to twenty five miles left to go. You've got to be thinking to yourself, Am I gonna be doing this for the next twenty-five miles? And if so, how fast can I possibly
1: do this? Right. Yeah. Um I mean that yeah, that was definitely going through my mind. Uh we we left that that resupply at the end of that section. Like, on 24-hour pace. Which,
0: yeah, like, that's the crazy part. The fact that, like, 24 hours was in the game for a long time,
1: despite yeah. those conditions. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was very proud of that. But, like, sort of as soon as we started the next section, which is eight miles, eight-ish miles with with Luke. And it has the Nessuntabunt climb, which is, mm-hmm. like, a pretty punchy, punchy climb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we're gonna be, we were doing at like 3 a.m. Right, like kind of brutal. The witching hour.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: As soon as we started, I was just like, oh my god, like I don't have it. So th- this next section was physically my lowest point. Yeah. Which is weird, like, because I came into that resupply feeling very positive. I was like, we're still in, we're still, we're still in this. Like that was slow, but it was probably the worst. Like we're still in this. But it, it continued to be very wet, um, and and my knee just like really wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. Hiking was fine, um, I think, just because putting less force into the ground, like the, the issue was more landing than pushing off, um, and so naturally with hiking, like it, it mattered less. Um, I had hoped to go 15 minute miles for that section,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: just I just couldn't, you know, like. Even on stuff that should have been clean running, um, like I, I couldn't find rhythm, which is sort of the name of name of the game in that section. It's so hard to find rhythm, sure, um, especially at night. But um, I couldn't find like any, at all, um, yeah. because of the knee. Um, but I was very much like mentally in the game. I, um, yeah, yeah. I I was, like, very, very dialed in. I, like, I knew what the splits were. I knew how I had to feel, like, going up in the sun to bun, which which was great. Like, it was great to be so mentally in the game. Like, I hadn't had, like, a true mental low point yet. Um, But physically, this was, like, very low. Uh, And we saw you guys, like, six miles into the section. Yes. And... Hey, you and my dad could both tell, like, this was, you know, the wheels were getting shaky.
0: Yeah, well, I saw it, because I walked in maybe, like, a quarter mile to you guys, um, just because I was bored. And I, like, Luke came by me and um, said that you were still doing okay on the climbing, but that you couldn't really run the the flats anymore. And that, that worried me, not in the sense of, like, where you're gonna get the record because you were just so far ahead of it, but it worried me in the sense of like, oh man, if you if we start getting into the 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 mindset and the place of like I can't run the flats, then like how much how much time's gonna start slipping here?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. and so I mean that that eight mile section is where the most time slipped away. Yeah, I I, I think I went like uh, I had planned for two hours, which was a pretty aggressive split um, to begin with. Um, just because Nasantaban is like pretty technical and pretty, you know, it's a difficult climb, but, mm-hmm. um, but I came in at like 220, which is like a lot of time to give up for an eight mile section. Sure. Um, and, but, geez, yeah, coming into that last resupply, we're, we're, we're 20 minutes or so behind 24 hour pace. And, um, but my dad has, has two knee braces and we put those on, we took a couple extra minutes on the resupply to get, to get those on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, then it's me and you starting, you know, at like 3 45 in the morning on that last section. Um, yeah, we're, and it's starting, I sort of knew 24 hours probably wasn't going to happen like getting under 24 hours?
0: Yeah, I by by the time you came through I think I'd done the math out we would have had to have done like sub 13 minute miles to, to hit 24.
1: We would have to do something pretty insane. Yeah. to, to get there. Um, and I I sort of knew that I didn't have that. Um, yeah. which and is so like, which is too bad because it's like you hold on to 24 hour pace for so long and it slips away right well yeah and so i
0: knowing i kind of knew that 24 hour 24 hours was gone but i also knew that like if you if you (laughs) knew that 24 hour pace was gone which i knew you probably would that it would be really easy to slide into like I'm gonna get the record. It doesn't matter. So then, like my goal going into that was like no way in hell. I don't care how hurt he is. He's not dropping under twenty five hour pace. and luckily wasn't even close and and you self I think it took probably half of the section, but about halfway through the section, you really self-motivated. There was just a lot of uh, there was a lot of negotiation and uh and compromise in that in those first probably eight miles of the section,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the good news was that I put the braces on and the knee stability thing sort of worked itself out um, quite quickly. Yeah. And I was able to run the flats again, sort of how you would expect, you know, someone to be able to run the flats 84-ish miles in. Right. Um, Which is like great news. Mm -hmm. The bad news is that the next eight miles, I would have my mental low point of (laughs) the run um and yeah you you were pushing me really really hard yep I I wanted nothing more than to run like just jog like between 15 and 16 minute miles like all the way through you know to the climb yep up up rainbow ledges and then you know finish with whatever I had yeah I knew that that would get me under 20 25 hours
2: mm-hmm.
1: um <laughs> And yeah, that, that's all I wanted to do. And you would not let me. I remember like running the first couple miles. It was like a high 15 and then a low 15. And you were like, we're barely under 25 hour pace. Like we need to make a cushion here. Yeah. Uh, and then you made me run like sub 14 for the next couple of miles. Yeah. It's like, oh my God.
0: Well, I remember my, my strategy was essentially I was going to, I was going to slowly ramp up the pace until you told me that it was like absolutely not sustainable, which you eventually did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would back off to like 15 seconds per mile slower than that and force you to do it. So, I mean, that's essentially what ended up happening is that you um, we, we ran a mile at probably like 1340 pace. And you were like, this is not sustainable. And then I backed off to like 14s and yeah. <laughs> we just we basically held that for a long time
1: yeah yeah um yeah after those first two slower miles i think we sort of did dial in to around 14 minute pace which was like pretty impressive because i was like i was not not feeling very good at all yeah i was like i was having to pee constantly and i started feeling very very sleepy um yeah i mean you were definitely cooked
0: in the sense that you like you you weren't you weren't leaving things out on this trail like you push yourself really really hard (laughs) yeah
1: yeah but like things were not 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 totally right in the in those eight miles and i was feeling like i wasn't feeling like super down i didn't feel like oh my god like i can't do this it was just like wow i feel like really tired really really tired Mm -hmm. um and as soon as I told you that I was feeling sleepy, I had been feeling sleepy for like two miles before. Uh, and then I told you that I was feeling sleepy and you like, just like basically would not let me feel sleepy. Uh,
0: I had no sympathy.
1: Yeah. And, and then I told you to get out the, uh, the smelling salts. Uh,
0: yeah. I did and- the same thing to bill on the 48. Uh, but my, my exact line is if you get on the ground, I will kick you and pour water on you. So it's just not going to be a good time. So why even do it?
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and I never really had a thought of like, I should, like, I should lay down
2: right yeah. now.
1: But I was like, I'm like, I'm tired. Like, and that's not like a good thing. Uh, right. But I, I took a whiff of those smelling salts, man. And <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it just bought me enough time. Right. I I became really wired for like five to ten minutes, and it was a it was a jump start. Um, mm-hmm. And I I t- I took that 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 sniff of ammonia <laughs> at like seven and a half miles into the section, and the the rainbow ledges climb starts at um, around mile ten, right. And so like I i sniffed it yeah and then then it's like after 10 minutes you're at like eight and a half miles right and it's like oh wow that climb is coming up like pretty soon right try to let's try to keep the wheels moving um and then like we really like we moved up that that climb like very very well yeah yeah i was actually
0: uh, that was fascinating to me because we the last time i had done that climb was on the 100 mile wilderness in 2021 and I for, I forgot just how small it is. And like when you're, you know, when you're on fresh legs and you're not 90 miles in, <laughs> it doesn't feel that bad. But I but I do remember on like when I ran the 100 mile wilderness feeling like that climb was like Everest, <laughs> it was like awful. But but yeah, no, we we moved up it really well. And I remember like us getting up to the, the little mini Alpine zone up there and being like, oh, we're, we're already up here. That's sick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like it was it, it was very, very cool up there. Like it was, it was a cool moment for us to be together and alone yep. at the top of Rainbow Ledges. Um, and like the, the sun had just like truly come up
0: yeah it was a beautiful beautiful morning i have videos of it i'll put up with the instagram post for this
1: yeah it was like just before like six thirty or something um and yeah it, it was gorgeous right like there's there's like fog fog around but the sun is sort of shining through we're the only ones like moving through at, at this time and sort of a. Uh, to sort of as a, as a manifestation of like the belief that I had gotten back after like my mental low point, Mm -hmm. like we got to rainbow ledges and I told you like, I want to be under 2440. Yep. Which like, I, I just sort of like pulled that number out of, out of nowhere. I knew that I had, I knew that I had gotten down from rainbow ledges in an hour and 15 on the Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know whether that was going to be possible Yeah. again, but I knew that that 2440 was like just, just a little bit slower. Right. Um, let's be honest,
0: it's at 2430 something sounds cooler than 2440 something.
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, but like, I I had such clarity telling you that. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that that was so, so important going into those last, five and a half miles or something Yeah, to have like a, a goal that I set myself.
0: Yeah. No, I think that was really good. Cause like we were meeting my goal for you of just getting it under 25 hours. I think I would have been, I think I would have been fairly comfortable letting you just like jog cause we, we had a cushion for 25 at that point. I would have been fairly comfortable just letting you jog it in. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that you set an aggressive goal that allowed you to push yourself.
1: Yeah. And like we we sort of did the math in the first like half mile coming down from Rainbow Ledges, and it was like we had to we had to keep like fourteen minute pace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like that that descent is not it's not totally easy, you know. Like there there's some no.
0: there's some technical parts. It's like it gets nice eventually in the last couple miles, but it's not it's 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 not as nice as you would like it to be for for the most part.
1: Yeah and there's a couple like little climbs in there that that are annoying but and then we just started clicking clicking away miles right like it's i i had i had the adrenaline again you were moving great um and i i was just sort of like rolling down um the hill with you know uh with whatever i had left um we started clicking away miles like at like at the pace that we needed to. Right. And so we kept building a little bit of a cushion on that 2440 time, Mm -hmm. um, which was which was fantastic. Right. Because at that point, it's all momentum. Right. Um, You're like, oh, I I just got a minute back on that time. All right. Like, let's get another. Yeah. And because I thought that it was going to be a fight to get to just 2439. um, Yeah. Yeah. But we we started moving really, really well. Um, and then two and a half miles from the end, the rest of the pace crew showed up. Yeah. And that, like, that was a really special moment, right? Like, they came in, like, pretty far.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: we, they did. Um, no cowbell, which is No, no cowbell, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, so the whole group ran the last two and a half miles together. And we we were flying we were we were flying. It was like nobody was talking because of fa- like how how fast we were going and like how technical the the last little bit is. Like you've really got to focus. Like we couldn't just sort of like shoot the shit. Yeah. You, you were out front though, leading leading the way. Certainly, was sort of trying to like string us along, and then everybody else was sort of bunched behind me, mm-hmm. push me ahead. I guess. Um. But man, we, we flew for those last couple miles, um, and then yeah, and then it sort of flattens out in the last mile or so, and we, we really sort of like, like let loose. Um, and you can really tell, like the, the nature of the trail kind of changes, like as you're getting very very close to the end, um, right? As most do, right? But it gets wider. The the tree cover gets a little bit darker. Yeah, um, and you sort of start remembering oh yeah these are the these are the bog bridges that we have to go over like yeah. this is that little rise like before you hit the the like hiker registry mm-hmm. um, type thing um yeah very special to to rise rise over that hill and and see like the golden road in in the distance and be like this moment is like is coming yeah um yeah and then you know we we exit onto the golden road turn right and it felt like we were absolutely flying and uh i, I think that we like moved at like sub seven pace for for, for the golden road section uh, to a ball bridge just like
0: yeah i know you cooked it <laughs> yeah yeah you found you found those track legs
1: yeah at the end um yeah and like what a special moment to get to finish with everybody uh, and hug my dad at the end uh, yeah
0: yeah no you had a you had an emotional moment with your dad at the end and i wanted to see you know he's been obviously a a big part of this whole 100 mile wilderness journey over the past um two or three years for you and like what did what did that mean for you to 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 sort of get to the end and you know basically have this have this two or three year project and partnership with your dad on this route come to fruition
1: yeah i i mean it's like one of the most special moments of my life i think like hugging him at the end um we just worked so hard together on this like Spent so long on the phone. Um, yeah, I totally, totally collapsed into him at the end. Um, it's sort of hard to describe. It's a
0: really special moment. Yeah, that that was a that was a really cool end of, to to that to that story. Um, I. I was definitely emotional. You were emotional. Uh, I think, I think, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm so happy that 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 this one worked out for you. It's, it's like, I've, I don't know, I've, I, I felt terrible after the 48 um, about how it ended for you, and like, I've just al- always, always known that you have that. That you have that you have that dog in you, <laughs> which you, I mean, you've already proven, but it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to prove it to yourself and know that you have it. And another thing to, to say, like, I just obliterated the time on one of Maine's most classic trail running routes. Yeah. Um, uh, that's so great. And I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm really happy that uh, I got to share some of it with you. And I'm also really happy that you got to share it with your parents and, uh, and the crew uh that was a really special pacing crew especially for just like one that kind of came together at the last minute you know it could have it could have could have been very different depending on the depending on the makeup of the crew and and it was really really good um yeah man
1: yeah i mean it it was it was just so cool right like to do it uh, on such a Ending on such a beautiful morning, right? Like the fog is sort of hugging Katahdin, like you can see the pe- the peak sort of like coming through, and it's like seven thirty in the morning, right? Like nobody's out there, um, nobody's out there except for us.
0: Um, the ice cream shop's not open yet at the at the A Ball Bridge Camp Store, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, but it,
1: it was. Really, just like an incredible time. Uh, like it, it was not a perfect run by any means, right? I had to deal with, I had to deal with the conditions, and like it wasn't like I didn't have low moments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to deal with them, know that I had prepped for them, and a lot of that prep, right, was with you and it was with my dad, like talking through how I was probably going to feel on a lot of these sections right and so i don't know like uh you know i don't i don't i don't live with my parents anymore i don't live with my dad but like uh to have like that shared project and to execute it so well i don't know like it's just really special experience um that is probably going to make me emotional for perhaps forever
0: <laughs> yeah man that's good i mean that's how you know it's good that's how you know you you, you did the right things yeah uh all right man well i think i've kept you on here for a a sizable uh not our longest episode possibly but uh but a pretty sizable one and uh and and possibly our best <laughs> uh is there anything? Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything that you know? I I would imagine, I would hope that people are gonna you know listen to this in the future when they're going for the hundred mile wilderness or um, or they want to know more about your effort. I'm certainly self promoting this podcast in the in the comment section of your of your effort on fkt.com. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Is there anything we've missed? Anything else you want to hit?
1: Uh, I, I've thanked them through uh, various means uh, already, but I'll thank them through this this medium as well. Um, to you and the rest of the pace pace crew uh, for getting out there. Like it's it's not an easy task, and we did not have like we did not have beautiful running conditions. Uh, but they, they, you and the rest of the pace crew really made made this time possible uh and then it's my parents and my my girlfriend ella for for supporting me through this um yeah i think i think that the gratitude is the only thing that we've missed so far
0: <laughs> i think you you've shown a good deal of gratitude throughout i think i think it oozes out a few <laughs> you. Uh, although this was an incredibly incredibly selfish endeavor and uh and everyone listening should know that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And then I mean, I truly hope that that people run the uh, run the 100. I think that it's like, especially like being from Maine. It's a super special thing to feel like connected with uh, with the home state. Um, and I like I, myself, I'm not a thru hiker, but I think it's a it's a nice way to feel connected with like the thru hiking element of the you know of of the trail and um just sort of the the main hiking and outdoors community um i think i feel most connected to to that when i'm out on the 100 mile wilderness so i hope that, i hope that people go after it i hope that this record stands a little bit but um you know i'm, I'm certain i i'm very satisfied with yeah with how i ran um i'm not I am not fiending to go back on on uh, on clean conditions. Yeah, yeah. Give it time. Give it a month. So, uh, uh, I I forgot to thank Stevie, uh, our cat, as well.
0: Right, right, right. Ella's pointing a gun at you off screen right now to make you say that.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I I hope that people go after it. It's a, it's a really Really special route, um, and I, th- I I personally think that it's Maine's best. Um, Maine's best F- FKT route and that that is up for up for debate certainly. But uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm completely unbiased, but I would I would agree with you. And like, what are you gonna put ahead of it? That the grafted notch loop? No, I no, I
1: totally agree. I totally uh, it's got, agree. It's got so much history, and I am a uh, yeah. In, in a public way, I am am very willing to talk with people about um about about their efforts if they want to if they want to go for the, the 100 in in whatever style so and they're willing to help
0: See, speaking of that where can the people find you how can they get in touch uh
1: well you can get me you can get in touch with me on linkedin <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like communication that's uh,
0: networking <laughs> over here on my podcast
1: <laughs> yeah uh no you can you can find me at at xkiter2 on instagram yep uh and xander on strava
0: yep yeah follow him he's he's you know this isn't going to be the last thing i'm sure so yeah,
1: yeah we'll, we'll, see what's,
0: we'll see we'll see yeah cool man uh anything else
1: no i think that's i think that's that's good
0: all right well congratulations again uh 24 hours 35 minutes and notably six seconds uh taking just so much time off of the uh off of the record for the 100 mile wilderness incredible run um great job and uh yeah i'm sure i'm sure you'll be on the podcast soon enough Uh, yeah looking forward to it (laughs) all right man we'll talk later all right